Hi Spain fans, a very warm welcome to another episode of the When in Spain podcast with me, your host, Paul Birch. If you've just stumbled across this podcast, an extra special welcome to you. And to all the long-term listeners, thanks also to you, of course, for continuing to listen and support When in Spain. Now, coming up in this episode, I'm going to be whisking you off to the city of Zaragoza. Zaragoza is Spain's fifth biggest city. It's um, almost exactly in the middle of Madrid and Barcelona. It's the capital of the Spanish autonomous community of Aragon. I'll be guiding you around some of the most important sites of the city. I'll be giving you a little flavour of the history of Zaragoza and giving you a general feel of the city itself. I was there last weekend. I headed up on the Ave train to meet up with an old friend of mine, my friend Chris, who lives up in Barcelona. And of course, I live in Madrid. So it's the ideal halfway meeting point for us. But before I take you off and immerse you in the sounds of Zaragoza. Just to say that if you are a fan of this When in Spain podcast and you enjoy the episodes that I produce, please consider signing up to support the podcast by becoming a When in Spain patron. A When in Spain patron is a fantastic person who signs up on the crowdfunding website called patreon.com to make a small monthly pledge to help really keep me doing what I'm doing, which is bringing a slice of Spanish life into your ears every week. So if you feel it's worth a few dollars of your hard-earned money each month, then please do consider signing up to become a patron of the show. You can do that, as I said, at patreon.com forward slash when in Spain. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash when in Spain. There are numerous tiers of patronage that you can sign up to but you can become a When in Spain patron for as little as $1 a month. And if you sign up at the $5 per month level or above, you'll also get access to When in Spain bonus content. And I should mention, I guess at this point, to existing When in Spain patrons, to whom I'm eternally grateful for supporting me and the podcast, that there will be a video that accompanies this episode for you guys, the When in Spain patrons. So keep your eyes out for that. I'll be posting that on Patreon and in the special When in Spain patrons Facebook group. So let's talk Zaragoza. Uh, I caught the Ave train from Madrid's Atocha station up to Zaragoza, about one hour, 15 minutes on the Ave. Uh, the city, of course, being a large city, is very well connected in terms of transport. It even has its own international airport, although I think the majority of flights which serve Zaragoza airport are European flights. And it also has, uh, of course, the train station called Delicias and uh, the bus station as well. It's really well served by trains and buses. From Barcelona to Zaragoza or from Madrid to Zaragoza, it's about one hour, 15 minutes on the Ave train. There are also slow trains, which take around three and a half to four hours. And Zaragoza is also very well served by buses. Uh, There are regular buses from Barcelona and Madrid to Zaragoza uh, that also take around three and a half to four hours. 
If you are arriving to Zaragoza by train or bus, the bus and the train station are essentially the same building. The train station, called Delicias, is enormous. It's a huge modern train station and bus station. But the strange thing about it is that it's quite a long way from the city centre. It's probably a good couple of kilometres. And to walk to the centre uh, takes, well, about 30 to 45 minutes, I guess, depending on your pace. Uh, but the other curious thing is that when you exit the station, the centre of Zaragoza is basically not signposted at all. There are no signposts uh, that mark an obvious way to walk to the city centre. So just be aware of that if you are arriving in Zaragoza by train or bus. Uh, you will need your Google Maps or a map of some description anyway. Uh, now, I would say Zaragoza is probably quite overlooked uh, considering it's a regional capital. It's Spain's fifth biggest city, but it certainly doesn't seem to register on people's radar as much as, of course, the other Spanish big cities, Madrid, Barcelona, Valencia, uh, some of the northern cities, Bilbao, Santander, and, of course, the holy trinity of very visited cities down in Andalusia, Seville, Granada, and Córdoba. But having said that, I would say do not overlook it. It's really well worth a visit. You'd probably only need a long weekend there, two to four days would be adequate. Despite the city being quite big, uh, the historic centre of the city with all of the most notable sites uh, that are worth seeing uh, are very compact, very close together. There, are, There is great public transport in Zaragoza. It's one of the few Spanish cities that has a city centre tram system, an above ground tram system. But I would say my advice to you is that you really shouldn't need to use public transport, even if you're staying a little bit outside the centre. I I would say everything is walkable. There is tourism, but it seems to be on quite a small scale. Uh, I noticed a lot of uh, Spanish tourists, Spaniards from other parts of Spain who were there visiting because I got talking to a few of them. But I wasn't really aware of uh, noticeable tourism from outside of Spain. So after arriving and walking for about 35 minutes towards the city centre, I checked in at our cheap and cheerful pension and had an interesting uh, conversation with the fairly prickly uh, owner of the pension, um, who was probably in uh, early 70s, I suppose, and I had quite an amusing conversation with her when I went to check in, um, because uh, getting to the correct floor of the pension was very confusing, not signposted. But when I was signing in, she asked for my passport, uh, accused me of not knowing the difference between the number seven and the number nine, and asked for my name. And she said, oh, you only have one apellido, you only have one surname. I said, yeah, in England, we normally only have one one surname to which she responded, Ay, que triste. Uh, oh, how sad. <laughs> and just to say, at the end of the episode, I will specifically mention by name the bars, the tapas bars that we visited in El Tubo district in the centre. And of course, you'll find all of the places mentioned in the podcast episode in the show notes for the episode. <laughs> So hello and welcome to Zaragoza. As I'm talking to you, uh, it's about four o'clock on a Friday afternoon. I arrived uh, about an hour and a half ago. I've wandered into the centre of the city. Um, I have been to Zaragoza before, only once about three years ago. As I'm speaking to you now, I'm in probably one of the most famous parts of the city, 
it's a small neighborhood called El Tubo and El Tubo is a little labyrinth of streets narrow very narrow streets only a couple of meters wide which are famous for tapas and this maze of i don't know five six seven streets are full of little tapas bars with uh, tables outside and as i walk into calle de la libertad you'll hear that a little bit more bustly. Now it is four o'clock in the afternoon, so most people uh, are at home, finish early on a Friday, probably having a siesta. So it's not very busy yet, but as you can probably hear, from the street where I was, as I walk into El Tubo, this little uh, maze of streets, it's a lot busier. I'm just walking past Binos Nicolas. Binos Nicolas is a little wine slash tapas bar. It's one of the most uh, well-known ones in El Tubo neighborhood. It was founded in 1912. I just popped in there and had some albondigas, a little snack. It was flagging slightly after catching the train for Madrid, which incidentally isn't a long journey on the Ave. I hopped on the Ave for 40 euros and it took me one hour 15 minutes to get to Zaragoza. So El Tubo. Now why is it called El Tubo? I did a bit of research into why it's called El Tubo. El Tubo basically translates as the tube. From the research I conducted I could only find really that it's called El Tubo because of the narrowness of the streets like tubes and they are very narrow. It's a really pretty and lively grid of narrow streets and if you're coming to Zaragoza to eat tapas well it, it really is the place to come now it's a little bit touristy I guess but one thing I've noticed with Zaragoza is that it's not particularly touristy with people from other countries it's more local tourism or what you might call national tourism so a lot of people come to visit Zaragoza because it's right in the middle of Barcelona and Madrid it's about 300 kilometers southwest of Barcelona and it's about 300 kilometers northeast of Madrid I've come here this weekend to meet up with an old friend of mine who lives in Barcelona so it's the perfect halfway house for us only about an hour and 15 minutes, as I said, on the Ave train. So as I'm walking through these narrow streets, there are barrels and tables and chairs outside. And there are quite a few people around on this Friday, late afternoon, early evening. But tonight, this will be heaving with people. I remember the first time I came to Zaragoza about three years ago. If you come to El Tubo on a Friday or Saturday night, it gets really, really busy. So all of these little narrow streets are packed with people. It's a really lively atmosphere. It's a great place to tapear or ir de tapas. So to have a tapas in one place and then skip to the next place and, and do a little, a little tour, a little trawl of the tapas bars, having a drink and a tapa in each place. It's the perfect place to do that. And it's a fantastic, fun, lively experience especially when the weather's good. As I record this, it is the 28th of February 
and it's a beautiful early spring day I guess you'd say uh, at the moment it's about 20 21 degrees Celsius I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit but it's a lovely warm comfortable temperature this afternoon and just a little note on the weather in Zaragoza. It is known as the Windy City. Now, Zaragoza is situated on the Ebro River and is set alongside the Ebro River Valley. So in the winter months, you can get a very bitterly cold wind which races down the Ebro Valley from Cantabria and Asturias gathering all of the cold air from the mountains as it goes and when it hits Zaragoza it's a freezing cold blast of wind. So yes it is known as the Windy City and as I said it's situated on the Ebro River and the Ebro River is the second longest river uh, in the Iberian Peninsula after the Tagus. A little bit later in this episode I will be returning to El Tubo later tonight to soak up the bustling atmosphere. So a little bit of background to Zaragoza. Zaragoza is the capital of the autonomous community of Aragon. It ranks as Spain's fifth largest city with a population of just over 700,000 inhabitants. And the etymology of the name of the city Zaragoza comes from the name Caesar Augusta, which was the Roman name for the city and it was named by the Roman statesman, military leader and indeed the first emperor of the Roman Empire, Augustus. So over time the name slowly got corrupted into Zaragoza. Now it's thought that the city was founded sometime between 25 BC and 11 BC. From 1018 to 1118, Zaragoza was one of the Tarifa kingdoms, one of the uh, independent Muslim states which emerged during the 11th century following the destruction of the Caliphate of Córdoba. And during the first three decades of this period, the city was ruled by Banu Tushib. Today it's the home of the Spanish General Military Academy, the higher training centre for the Spanish army. And in terms of local economy, it's home to a large car factory today, a General Motors car factory for the production of Opel cars. Now the next stop I wanted to talk about and visit is the Basilica de Nuestra Señora del Pilar, an 18th century cathedral, absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful and enormous. The scale of the basilica is very impressive and it is probably the must-see site in Zaragoza. But as I was making my way there I couldn't resist stepping into where I am right now the Gran Café Zaragoza a beautiful elegant café I'm sitting at the green and grey marble bar in front of me we've got churros we've got chocolate pastries with a beautiful uh, tarta de manzana an apple tart and it's a really beautiful place. It was uh, built in 1885. It's on number 25, Calle Alfonso Primero, 
right in the centre. Beautiful dark wooden panelled ceilings, ornate columns, uh, marble floor, marble tables, mirrors everywhere, a beautiful bar. So definitely worth uh, a stop off. I couldn't resist coming in here. So the building was constructed in 1885, but the original use of the building was not actually a cafe. It was a jeweler's called Joyeria Aladren. And from 1885 until 1997, it was a jeweler's. Until 1997, it was considered the oldest business in Zaragoza. In 1997, it was transformed into the beautiful, elegant cafe that it is today, but it retains a lot of its original features from the days when it was first built and when it was a jeweler's. And right in front of me is the very imposing and enormous and beautiful Basilica of Our Lady of the Pillar, the Basilica de Nuestra Señora del Pilar. Work started on the Basilica in 1681 and it was finally completed as recent as 1961. Now, according to local tradition, soon after the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus, uh, St. James was preaching the gospel in Spain, but was feeling a bit disheartened because of the failure of his mission. On the 2nd of January in 40 AD, while he was deep in prayer by the banks of the Ebro River, which incidentally is just the other side of the basilica, Mary appeared to him and gave a column of jasper and instructed him to build a church in her honour. And the quote is, this place is to be my house and this image and column shall be the title and altar of the temple that you shall build. About a year after the apparition, James is believed to have had a small chapel built in Mary's honour. And this was the first church ever dedicated to Mary herself. After James returned to Jerusalem, he was executed in about 44 AD and the first apostle to be martyred for his faith. Several of his disciples took his body and returned it for final burial in Spain. And this first chapel was eventually destroyed uh, among various other Christian shrines. But the statue and the pillar stayed intact under the protection of the people of Zaragoza. Now the image of Mary, the statue is wooden, about 30-40 centimetres tall. It rests on a column of jasper. And the tradition of the shrine of El Pilar, as given by Our Lady in the uh, apparition to Sister Mary Agreda and written about in the mystical city of God, is that Our Lady was carried on a cloud by the angels to Zaragoza during the night. And while they were travelling, the angels built a pillar of marble and a miniature image of Our Lady. And Our Lady gave the message to St. James and added that a church was to be built on the site, as I said. Now, the pillar and the image were to be part of the main altar. And the image was crowned in 1905 with a crown designed by the Marquis of Grigny, uh, said to be valued at around 18 million pounds. 
Numerous churches and chapels were built on this site, but the current basilica is built in a Baroque style and it has four Neo-Mudeja spires, uh, mostly built in 1872. As you look at the uh, basilica, if you step back from it, as I'm trying to do now, from a diagonal angle, you get to see all four towers. And in terms of the dimensions of the basilica, it's about 130 meters long and 67 meters wide. And it also, as well as the four towers, it has 11 different cupolas. You can climb one, I believe, one of the four towers. And it's really worth doing because you get fantastic views, not only uh, across the city, obviously, but you get views across the Ebro River, which is, literally on the bank of almost. Uh, there is a main road that runs between the river and the cathedral and you get great views across and along the Ebro River and across the countryside around Zaragoza as well. And there you go, there are the bells chiming, marking quarter past five. When you walk into this square, and I remember the first time I walked into it, the Plaza de Nuestra Señora del Pilar, it is pretty breathtaking when you're suddenly confronted with this very imposing basilica. And the beautiful thing that I like about it is the tiles on some of the cupolas are coloured in blue, white, yellow and green, kind of diamond and striped patterns. So it's on the square also are rows and rows of cafes and bars. So you know, if you want to admire the architecture whilst you're having a drink or something to eat, you can, you can uh, do that. So as you're looking at the basilica and you cast your eyes to the right, you will see another tower uh, just across the square. And this is also a cathedral called the Cathedral of the Saviour of Zaragoza or La Seo de Zaragoza. Zaragoza has two cathedrals and they have, I suppose, what you would call co-cathedral status. Two cathedrals right next to each other. And the Seo was built right on top of the ancient Roman Forum of Augustus and the main mosque of the Moorish city of Saracusta. It's a bit of a mishmash of styles, in fact. A mix of Romanesque from the 12th century. It's got a Baroque tower. It's got a neoclassical main door, which it's got this lovely white and cream facade with columns and statues. And as I said, it's built on the remains of the old Roman forum that was here. And just next to it now, there is a museum all about the Romans in Zaragoza. So it's six o'clock now. I'm back in El Tubo. Nearly all of the bars are closed. It's uh, still early by uh, Spain standards for people to be going out and starting their night out on a Friday. But I have found one bar that's open. And it reminded me of a little regional difference. Um, I just ordered a beer, a medium-sized beer. And in Madrid, you normally order un doble, a double. So it's like two cañas. Una caña is the small size, and un doble is like two cañas, which is the medium-sized beer. Now, I just ordered one at the bar I'm at now. 
and I said, me pones un doble, and he said, and he looked at me in a kind of, with a puzzled expression, and he said, de ferveza, and I said, yes, and then I remembered that in Zaragoza, they didn't call it a doble at all, they call it un tubo, a tube, which is quite apt, considering that we're in el tubo uh, neighbourhood. But yeah, so folks, if you're coming to Zaragoza and you're ordering a doble, here you might have a little problem. Remember that in Zaragoza, it's called un tubo. And I don't know why I forgot, because the first time I came here three years ago, exactly the same thing happened, the same confusion. And incidentally, I talk about this way back in my podcast episode, specifically about ordering beer here in Spain, which is episode number 13, how to order beer like a native. So as promised, we are in El Tubo and it's about 11.30 p.m. The atmosphere has completely changed uh, from earlier on when I was uh, wandering around these fairly empty streets. As you can probably gather from the very loud background haleo or loud noise that you can hear. El Tubo suddenly fills up. About eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it starts bustling. You get you, you a few more people around. Now, about 11 o'clock, absolutely packed. Heaving with people, great atmosphere. Me and my friend Chris meet up in Tarragoza because it's in the middle of Madrid and Barcelona. And Chris is here with me right now. I am. But how would you describe El Tubo? For me, it's, uh, it's a very vibrant, very authentic area for going out. But everywhere is very informal, it's relaxed. It's not a restaurant type scene. And it's, it's full of life, it's full of people partying. I totally agree you know? with you. I mean, it's, it's, that, uh, you made a really good point because it's not a restaurant scene, is no, it? It's, not, not, it's no. about standing up at yeah. a bar. There's tapas or pinchos and stuff. People aren't sitting down in a restaurant setting. Where we are at the moment, I mean, it's kind of winding down a little bit now, but I mean... Still pretty busy. Yeah, still pretty busy. There's a lot of yeah, people around. And yeah, I, mean, yeah. I think that's what El Tubo is about. It's not about sitting down in formal restaurant no. settings. It's about hopping from one place to the next place to the next place. People are uh, soaking up the atmosphere. It's not cold, you know, it's the end of February, but it's warm, you know. For me, this is like May in, or June in England. It's, uh, it's incredible. It's pretty comfortable considering this is winter. So it's Sunday morning, um, heading back to Madrid in a couple of hours. The last stop off in Zaragoza is to the Aljaferia Palace, the Palacio de la Aljaferia. Uh, which is a fortified medieval Islamic palace which was built during the second half of the 11th century in the taifa of Zaragoza of Al-Andalus. It was the residence of the Banu Hud dynasty during the era of Abu Hafar al-Muqtadir and really this palace reflects the splendour achieved by the kingdom of the taifa of Zaragoza at the height of its opulence and grandeur. 
and these days it's home to the Cortes, the regional parliament of the autonomous community of Aragon. And as I say, while I'm here now walking around this beautiful patio, and really this is one of Spain's finest Islamic era edifices outside of Andalusia, and of course Andalusia we know is famed for many Moorish buildings and palaces. As I'm talking to you now, I'm just walking around the interior courtyard or patio, which is called the Patio de Santa Isabel. Uh, and this was once the central courtyard of the Islamic palace. And here you find these beautiful, delicate arches, uh, geometric designs, interwoven designs, incredibly intricate. Each end of the central patio is adorned with about five of these arches. It almost looks like it could have been carved from ivory. In the centre of the courtyard there are about six orange trees, beautifully kept, and then we've got low green hedges, perfectly trimmed, which kind of mirrors the geometric design uh, of the archways and the rest of the patio. Uh, just a note to say that th this Sunday morning is the 1st of March and quite commonly on the 1st of each month entrance to many of Spain's monuments, museums is free. So I was pleasantly surprised this morning to find that the entrance to the palace, which normally costs only five euros, uh, was actually free. And for this reason, it's quite busy on this Sunday morning. There was quite a long queue, had to wait in line for about half an hour. If you're in Zaragoza, this is an absolute must-see. Now, it's not particularly central. It's not located in the centre of the city, like many of the other monuments. The Al Jaferia Palace is located sort of northwest of the centre of the city, kind of halfway between the centre of the city and the uh, train and bus station. So there you go, there's a little whirlwind tour of Zaragoza. Just to mention some of the specific places that we visited for tapas in El Tubo. One that we visited several times uh, during our stay there was called Binos Nicolas. Binos Nicolas, which is a small, very traditional tapas bar. It's one of the older tapas bars in El Tubo. Uh, very good value, very affordable, uh, very lively on a Friday and Saturday night um, and a good range of tapas. Uh, just opposite Minos Nicolas is Taberna Doña Casta, which we also visited. Uh, again, small, very compact and lively tapas bar with uh, all of your traditional Spanish tapas. Another one we stopped into was called El Balcón del Tubo. Now, this is a bit more spacious. It has a bar area where you can perch at the bar to eat tapas, um, but it also has a larger dining room area as well if you actually want to sit down at a table. Uh, all of these ones that I'm mentioning are all based around the street called Calle de la Libertad, Liberty Street. Um, but important to mention that if you're going on a Friday or a Saturday or indeed a Sunday uh, later in the day, day or around lunchtime, these places fill up very quickly and some of them are get incredibly busy. So as we were talking, as you probably heard in the episode, um, if you don't get in somewhere 
uh, early and kind of reserve your space at the bar or, or one of the little tables that you can perch at uh, outside as well, the barrels and tables in the streets. Because the streets are so narrow, there aren't actually many tables and chairs outside. Um, but these places get really, really, really busy and it can be very loud, um, boisterous atmosphere. So that's just something to be aware of in El Tubo. Most of the tapas bars are busy. You have to stand up to eat. A lot of them don't have tables inside to sit down. And really, that is the authentic tapas eating experience. Uh, it's not a sit-down formal restaurant experience. If you're looking for somewhere with a great selection of wine, then check out Bodegas Almau. Uh, which is on Calle Estebanes, a uh, beautiful, cosy uh, wine bar, really. A huge range of wines, uh, all laid out on shelves on the wall. And, of course, they do pinchos and tapas as well. Now, as we've said, in El Tubo, most of the places are rather small and compact tapas bars. But if you are looking for a more formal restaurant uh experience there is a restaurant which we didn't go to but is uh, one of the oldest restaurants in the neighborhood and is uh, very well known and that's called Restaurante Casa Lac. If you happen to be visiting Zaragoza when you have good weather and you want somewhere to sit outside with a bit more space uh, I would recommend a place called Terraza Libertad which is on Calle Libertad and you walk through a doorway and it has a large patio garden an outdoor bar with lots of space, lots of tables and chairs. This is probably one of the largest areas in El Tubo if you want to sit down outside, uh, not on the street. And finally, if you're looking for a tapas bar which is maybe a little bit less traditional, uh, a bit more modern and trendy, attracts maybe a, a younger crowd of people, beautifully decorated inside, then try Meli del Tubo, M-E-L-I, Meli del Tubo, a uh, great place for tapas also, but with a bit more of a contemporary twist, I would say. Uh, just to say that during the weekend, we also went for a long walk to a beautiful park, which I didn't uh, record during the episode, called Parque José Antonio Labordeta, also known locally as El Parque Grande. A huge, beautiful park. And the interesting thing about the park is it's full of different fountains, uh, particularly one in particular, which is called called El Monumento al Rey Alfonso I, uh, which is uh, a huge marble staircase uh, in the middle with cascades and waterfalls going down each side. Uh, and I believe in the summer months, if you're there at night, all of these fountains are lit up with coloured lights and they have cut some kind of water and light display as well. Now, that is not particularly near the centre. We walked there on uh, Saturday afternoon, nursing a, a little bit of a hangover, I have to say. Um, we walked there. It's about uh, 30 to 40 minutes walk from the centre. It's towards the southwest of the city uh, between two neighbourhoods, one called Romareda and the other one called Benetia. But worth checking out if you're there when the weather is good and there are little cafes and bars in the park and it's also a place where you can rent uh, bicycles as well. 
So that will do it for this episode. Uh, do consider Zaragoza as a destination if it's maybe your second or third visit to Spain and you're looking for somewhere new to explore which has lots to offer. You can't go far wrong with Zaragoza. As I said, it's very well connected with transport links. It's also almost exactly in the middle distance-wise between Madrid and Barcelona. You could easily make a day trip to Zaragoza from Barcelona or Madrid if you're using the Ave train. Well worth it, not to be overlooked. Just a quick note before I go, please do consider signing up to become a When in Spain patron from just as little as $1 a month. You can help support this podcast. All of the money goes towards covering my time and costs of putting the podcast together. And by doing so, you'll help secure the long-term future of this podcast. Unfortunately, I don't have any big sponsors or a media company behind me. It's just me. I'm an independent content producer. So please do consider showing your appreciation if you enjoy this podcast uh, head across to patreon.com forward slash when in spain you can pledge any amount you want uh, starting at just one dollar a month for anyone who signs up to become a patron from the five dollar per month and above you will get access to bonus content including videos as well And also, if you're new to the podcast, worth mentioning that When in Spain has a presence on the usual social media hangouts. You can find When in Spain on Facebook, where we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group, which you can join for free. Sign up there to share any questions you have about Spain with around 3,000 other When in Spain Facebook group members. You can share photographs, you can share articles, anything at all, as long as it's Spain related, uh, that's your place to do that. You can also find When in Spain on Instagram if you like photography. I take photos from all around Spain and Madrid and I also post photos on the When in Spain Instagram account uh, which relate to the relevant podcast episode. So if you head across to the Instagram account now you will see some photos of the various places that I mentioned in Zaragoza in this episode. And if you'd like to get in touch with me directly with any questions or feedback about the podcast or anything very specific about Spain uh, you can do so by emailing wheninspain1 at outlook.com. Okay, guys, I'll leave it there. Thanks for tuning in to the When in Spain podcast. Please check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime, please hit the subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast show. And if you'd like the podcast, please think about leaving a small review wherever you listen to the podcast or indeed on the When in Spain Facebook page as well. So until next week, I will bid you hasta luego. Hasta luego.